Somehow, the moments we remember the best in our life are usually the ones when we made complete fools of ourselves. Stumbled down the stairs, running to a subway train, blurted out something nonsensical to a new love interest, said something terrible in a foreign language, accidentally insulting someone without realizing it. At least I have experienced the latter more than enough for one lifetime. Shame is an interesting emotion, since it requires a shared social context. As I say, as Becca Rothfeld wrote in her recent article, the feeling of shame arises not because you violated the standard that you set for yourself, but because you violated the standard that your environment imposes on you. This makes me wonder, why do we care so much about these standards? Does it mean that loosening up the rules in your surroundings would automatically make you shame-free? And if memory of something as trivial as singing out of tune in front of an audience can make you cringe even years later... What kind of traces does systematic and organized shaming leave on a person? This is Literature from Finland podcast. I'm Urte from Helsinki Literary Agency. And in this episode, author Antti Rönke discusses shame and all its forms. Welcome to the studio, Antti. Thank you. Very nice to be here. Um, so I want to begin by asking very simply, is it really shame that you write about? And if so, what type of shame interests you most as an author? Um, I wouldn't say it's shame exactly. I've I've written about youth, uh, you know, uh, coming of age stories and... Um, Of course, shame is a part of that, and depression, anxiety, alienation, all, all these lovely feelings we <laughs> we have, especially when we're young. And um, I think a young person is always uh, looking around and trying to fi- figure out what is my place here in mm. the world. Does the world accept me as I am? And and so. Yeah, shame is a part of that, but um, I tend to say that my books so far, uh, they're about youth and uh, <laughs> uh, how it feels to uh, become an adult. Yeah, and probably also what I mentioned in the intro- introduction about um, the social standards that are imposed on you uh, in youth, it's... When you're t- a teenager or coming of age, it's the time when you're also figuring out those standards, like what is, uh, what kind of surrounding you are living in. Yeah, and that can be childish sometimes and uh, <laughs> a little bit sentimental and whatever, but it's beautiful at the same time because it's so true and I think everyone can relate to that. Exactly, exactly. In your lauded debut novel, Off the Ground, uh, a young man, uh, the main character called Aro, tries to build his life anew while starting his studies in a new town. However, feelings of unworthiness planted during years of school bullying, childhood school bullying, shadow his attempts to connect with other students. You really portray brilliantly how Aro 
only you know wears the most expensive brands uh, uses the most expensive perfume uh, as if he tried to hide hide behind it all and build himself perfectly and not to give anyone any reason um, to mock him and he really is very sensitive to all kinds of details in his environment and oversensitive to others facial expressions and glances voice tones and analyzes them almost you know to the point of absurdity so do you think that in Aro's case uh, it is all caused by the feeling of shame or sort of the the prolonged feeling of shame does the sense of change and does the sense of shame change one's personality and character or is it a part of it just something that some of us have and some of us maybe don't <laughs> yeah Aro is he's an outsider you know um, he he grew in a violent environment um, and he sees the whole life with his dark violent glasses and and uh, he has this feeling he is not accepted uh, and and that leads to that kind of uh, uh, very uh, selfish uh, um, behavior you're looking you, you think you start to think that everything that happens is because of you because <laughs> you're somehow mm, uh, Stupid or funny or whatever, and um, yeah, it definitely deals with shame. That's that's a big <laughs> big slice of Aro's uh, mind mm. <laughs> mindset, so to say. Yeah. yeah. Would you say that in in these kind of situations, uh, the shame sort of. Um, Does it come from that exactly that kind of selfishness that you think that everything sort of comes out from you, or is it still the shame that is more imposed by other people? Like, how does how do you feel that the shame shame works in these kind of situations? I don't think it it really is um, selfishness. I I think it's the opposite of that. But mm. it's it can look sometimes things. <laughs> Things look different than they really are. I mean, that's uh, for example, Aro is he's very mm, emphatic and and uh, he, he tries to be good, mm. but but that can people people see those things. They can think that it's selfishness. Yeah, but yeah. It really isn't. I think actually, one uh, French reader uh, gave me a wonderful. Uh, Thought about the name of the book of the ground. Uh, he he thought that um, Aro tries to live so that his feet doesn't touch the ground. Yeah, so he, he's totally attached from the world. Yeah, so yeah. So the world can't hurt him. Because, yeah, because he's so attached. Yeah, detached. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's very <laughs> that's a very interesting. So you said it came from a French French reader. Yeah. 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 Because the book was published by Peyo Rivage and um, and actually was nominated for a translation award in in France. Mm, so again, can changing the surroundings? Do you think um, generally and also basing on the on the novel? 
can changing the surroundings free you somehow from shame? That is what Aro hopes for when he's leaving, you know, he's leaving home, he's leaving all his past life behind him. He he thinks that he's going to a place where nobody knows him and it somehow will automatically will give him that freedom to present himself completely anew. So do you think that he eventually finds that freedom and if so, what helps him to do so? Yeah, in the beginning of the book, Aro uh, hopes that he can invent his own own past, you know, uh, that you can be whoever when you're in a new town and meet new people. But of course, it's not that simple. The, the past lives in you so far. You're brave enough to face it. And and in Aro's cra- case, the relief is love. <laughs> that's very sentimental but <laughs> but that's okay you, you know for the first time he sees another person really sees another person and he realizes that he can be important to someone he's not anymore that that um, person in the shell yeah who, who lives without touching the ground and, and he's eventually important to someone he can really be with someone yeah and I think it's but also there is this point in, in the novel where he also realizes when he falls in love with this girl who is also quite traumatized from, from her past, uh, where he sort of understands that he's not the only one, you know, who has uh, that sort of traumatic maybe past, that the whole world is not sort of only, you know, circling around him or and where where he, like, for the... F- kind of like this moment where for the first time in his life he starts thinking about someone else as well not only about himself and that sort of connects to the self self certain selfishness that we talked about yeah exactly yeah um at the time when this debut novel off the ground came out which was in 2019 uh it caused quite a stir in the Finnish media and I remember not only the biggest newspapers at the time but also some you know health magazines were discussing the themes of the book mainly the effects of systematic school bullying on uh, that uh, and the traces that it leaves on on one's mental health Uh, and this is a problem that the Finnish education system has been trying to tackle for years what do you think is the role of fiction in such public discussions can fiction help to put it simply yeah uh, first of all it's really important that uh, public discussion is based on professional scientific information you know Mm. but at the same time stories and fiction can be such a powerful tool to read something unspoken you know something that statistics or research can touch yeah can't touch um it's it's evolutional thing that human mind loves stories and a novel can be very timeless i mean if you read an article which is five years old you <laughs> feel that it's old but if you read a book which is 50 years old or even hundreds of hundreds of years old it's still fresh and it's really in the moment of course not all books can be immortal, but <laughs> I think book stands longer than any other form of information. So Yeah, absolutely. Do you think it can help a reader 
Have you ever uh, yourself found any sort of consolation or help uh, from fiction books, not like self-help yeah, <laughs> literature? <definitely. but laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, when I read Carlo Wegnauskort for the first time, it was really mind-blowing <laughs> um, because I just I had to say that I found myself from a from a book or. Because relation is not the only uh, only um, indicator of good book. Yeah, of course, yeah. but it can be very healing. Yeah, yeah. To, to find yourself in a in a book. Yeah, and this is uh, what's very interesting to me. And we are coming to this question: the sort of the perspective of men. And and you mentioned uh, Knausgård, who writes about sort of men's you know experiences and you yourself and uh, I think it's particularly enticing about your novels is that uh, they are so open and honest uh, regarding the reality of men but especially young men today who you know uh, that complete <laughs> other side of, of them the men who have internalized since childhood what you know manly behavior is and what men are not supposed to be or not supposed to feel and uh, that is a huge part of where your character's shame stems stems from the fear that your men, your characters, are not being the right kind of men. Um, this fear is explored even more boldly in your second novel, second novel Nocturno Twenty One O Seven, which deals with um, in 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 big big parts of a novel with sexual shame. I really liked a review that pointed out that the novel highlights how sexual aw awakenings of men and women are often seen differently. A woman blooms into this beautiful flower, uh, yet men's sexuality is, is something uncontrollable and threatening. Would you say yourself that Nocturno attempts, and maybe also your debut novel, attempts to address in a way, restrictive roles of, of or gender roles and sexuality, or somehow to show the different side of men. Yeah, it's it's this. Um, I can consider that book is it's it's like a song of this uh, sensitive, sentimental, <laughs> <laughs> little bit moody um, character. Mm, you know, after Off the Crown was released, I wanted to do something different. Yeah, um, you know, off the ground is a very kind <laughs> book, very innocent book and story, and I wanted to do some something uh, a little bit more controversial. I don't know why, but yeah. I just had this feeling, and uh, at the same time, I uh, I knew that I I, I can't uh, can't write a horror book or a crime novel. I just don't have <laughs> this uh, thing in my DNA. Yeah. Uh, and then I had this idea uh, of a teenage me uh, who chases me. And <laughs> yeah. it was a funny idea, a uh, strange idea. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I just wanted to show how it feels to be a teenage boy, yeah. or at least how I felt it. So I, I thought that there are not, not so many books about that <laughs> subject. Yeah, so, exactly. So, um, that was it. But, 
not only in and I would say not only in like Finnish literature but in general I mean okay I'm I'm a girl so maybe when it when I was a teenager I wasn't um I didn't pay that much attention to this but would you say as a boy like did you have as a teenager like that many books that you could sort of you know that you would read and you would think like okay maybe I'm there's nothing wrong with me <laughs> maybe everybody every boy is like that um Because I think that's what a lot of like teenage literature for girls is that like yeah. when you read and you experience that okay this is actually I'm I'm fine. <laughs> I remember Gatcher in the Rye was mm. really important to me. I that's not actually <laughs> about uh, how it feels to be a teenage boy or this side of it, but but it was important to me. Maybe it was something to do with that mm. that feeling. Like finding yourself in in a book, yeah, yeah. You mentioned Knausgård, which who is um, uh, becoming sort of epitome of autofiction genre, and uh, that's that's a genre that has been booming for several years now, and and as well as memoirs, and also your books are, are uh, partly autofictional and have often been actually compared to Knausgård, which might be. <laughs> Quite quite pleasant uh, if if he's your <laughs> hero. Um, so what would you what would you say sort of insti- instigates or encourages uh, authors to put all the personal and all the intimate out there? Especially you know in your second book you write about such a sort of intimate sexual experiences and this kind of again like very shameful experiences because they're happening for to you for the first time, and it's I mean it's not exactly. I'm saying autofiction, and I'm emphasizing that it's still fiction work, but it's it's also a lot of you know of everybody's um, life. So, what do you what do you think, um, or how how do you feel? What sort of encouraged you to put it all out there? Yeah, I, I think so far I've had like two minds, two different minds. I have this creative writing mind mm. who doesn't care about what other people think or <laughs> here's this crazy <laughs> crazy side of me and then there's this social mind which operates right now yeah. it tries to tries to fix everything <laughs> <laughs> everything that this creative write, writing mind has done but yeah I believe that all writers Use their own life as material. Mm. You know, it's it's a fertile soil for a story. Yeah, <coughs> and there have always been out of fiction stories of real life, so to say, starting from Jack Kerouac or yeah. Marcel Proust or yeah. Virginia Woolf. Of course, the way we talk about it has changed. It. We are more aware of the genre and and. Uh, It has become more implicit that those things have happened to the writer in real life. I think, um, and I think people are not interested in big revealing shocking <laughs> uh, books. They're really? Do, do you think so? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they can be, but I don't think it's timeless. Uh, That's very I true. That doesn't stand the test of time. Mm. But, but. Uh, People are interested in good stories and beautiful sentences. 
Mm. And so am I. So when you read a beautiful sentence, you don't really care about the genre of the text or uh, is this real? <laughs> is this uh, fiction? It's, it just doesn't matter. And it's it's a good question that how far writer can go and is it really necessary to reveal so much? Exactly. I've, I've, <laughs> I've asked this, this question myself many yeah. times and uh, I don't know I think that revealing is never the factor which makes a great book yeah a great book can be revealing of course but it must have some other factors as well yeah such as language or whatever so. yeah good story good voice does it bother you yourself as an author that um, readers can often maybe mix you up with with the uh, with the fictional characters that you write about that they think that you write about yourself uh, yeah it was strange <laughs> in the beginning but i'm used to that <laughs> there was a time i went to doctor and <laughs> i didn't knew him and he said he, he, he had read my my debut novel mm. and then he said that uh well uh when you experienced this thing, so <laughs> maybe this comes from that, and it's <laughs> it had that nothing to do with that thing. So he sort of analyzed your health health yeah, history <laughs> from so your novel. Strange, but it was okay. It, uh, <laughs> it's it's nice that people read and yeah, and you you get used to the stardom. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. But, but do you think, or do you feel personally that it is also for you, at least, a way a way to maybe overcome certain things from your personal p- past? Can sort of writing for you be therapeutical, or is it like, mm, well, it can. I know that it can, but maybe my question is more about: is it one of the goals that you have when you write to sort of also for it to be therapeutical for you? Yeah, for for sure, that level exists. Mm. It's it's very uh, cathartic mm. to put it all out, and then I I I just don't have to think about it anymore <laughs> because I've I've beaten it. I I like to think that whatever happens, I can always write about it. So it's it's like my last uh, <laughs> last mm, revenge. <laughs> <laughs> for the world yeah yeah exactly exactly mm, so we talked already mentioned a little bit Finnish literature um, so what do you think uh, is the situation of shame as a subject in Finnish literature are there many authors who have dealt with it in their books uh, would you say there are any particular tendencies regarding shame in Finnish literature is there something uh, such a thing as Finnish shame. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. There are a lot of strong characters in Finnish literature. If you think about Vainolinna, for example, yeah, Anna Solders, the heroes of that book, are very strong and talkative, manly. Uh, yeah, I would say <laughs> Antero Rokka is very <laughs> shameful person. Yeah, um, but I think. Finnish novels often deal with denied emotions, denied fear, denied love, denied happiness, which leads to 
quiet characters who drink a lot. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, that's a stereotype, but it's true that every Finnish classic has remarkable drinking scenes. (laughs) And of course, the field of Finnish literature has expanded, and there are a lot of different voices these days, which is great. But I'd say there's always that root that somehow Finnish literature and art tends to be a little bit dark and yeah, woody. yeah. So they don't deal with shame sort of as a su- subject in particular, but it it's always sort of a bit like a background, maybe a sort yeah, of like character of Finns. Yeah, <laughs> not uh, being able to kind of say out things, or I don't know, not being yeah used yeah, to doing. How that seems to be uh, <laughs> in Finnish blood. <laughs> yeah. So w- what we are saying, I think, it's also what the world sees uh, Finns like, and that Finns are st- stereotypically seen as quite shy and sort of closed down people. So do you think that in such a culture, uh, well, we already covered that that there there are a bit maybe more grounds for shame, but do you, do you think that Finnish can also teach something, the world, about shame and about how to deal with it? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> that could be our second Nokia. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or maybe not. But... Yeah, as you said, it's a stereotype, but stereotypes are stereotypes because a part of them is true. Mm, I don't think it's <coughs> not that Finnish people are so shy or or uh, ashamed all the time, but it's it's more like wh- what is allowed, mm. how much you're allowed to show your feelings or exactly. talk or whatever. So, um, and is a uh, such a small country, and hundred years ago we used to live in woods. Or <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe there's the fear of people in our DNA yeah. somehow, even these days. Mm. But it's it's a beautiful thing also because shame it's it's humanity. It means that you think. Other people, you think how how you how the world reacts to what you say or do, mm. and I think it's very beautiful because <laughs> it it means that you care about the world and you want to be good. And, and uh, sometimes I think that world could be a better place if if uh, <laughs> people. Felt a little, a little bit, bit more, yeah, <laughs> shame. More yeah. <laughs> but that's very true. And I, I had this when I was thinking about this episode. I had this question in mind: like, are there good, good sides of shame? And you just said it. That's that's very true. That a little bit of shame is is kind of partly, um, yeah. It just means that you think uh, also about the world and others and try to care about them. But we also sort of come back to what I mentioned in in introduction and what you say about Finland that it's it's so much depends on how sort of what kind of rules we have here and what what is accepted as um, you know 
yeah. acceptable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to finish, three very short, very literary questions. Um, who is your current literary crush? Um, I have to say Joan Rees. Okay. She's not the uh, most famous author, but oh my god, very beautiful books. There's <laughs> no uh, big stories or I'd say they're like uh, music videos. Yeah. <laughs> nothing really happens, but it, it sounds beautiful and and uh, very hypnotic. Mm. Uh, what was the most surprising book that you've recently read? Uh, well, that's an interesting one. I have to say, I, I read, actually, I listened to Avicii's oh. <laughs> biography. <laughs> and I was Avicii. surprised. Yeah. <laughs> I was so surprised how I found his music <laughs> after the book. Oh, that's very interesting. It, it was surprising surprised me how how much i enjoyed mm. book <laughs> yeah, yeah that's how you you know that's how books uh, lead you to discover the world <laughs> um which author or book never fails to make you laugh uh, don't say avici <laughs> <laughs> myself me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's a good answer Thank you, Antirönkä. This was Literature from Finland, brought to you by Helsinki Literary Agency and hosted by me, Urpe. Special thanks to Petri Latvala for the design and Alessandra Dana for the music and to all the colleagues at the agency. Don't forget to tune in next episode.